Amen. You guys all right? So just like we experienced this morning, the Holy Spirit just kind of invaded the building, didn't it? It was such a sweet presence. Well, I want to talk, funnily enough, about how he wants to do that in your lives. Amen? So, um, yeah, before I um, share the scriptures, I just... My wife's here. I don't know if you remember this. I just remember when we did communion. I was preaching a two-week thing in South Africa about communion and the power of it and how powerful it is. And I just get into my like climax of the uh, of the sermon, and half the half the congregation all started laughing, and I was a little bit, you know, I was kind of like, but, and and then I realized my two boys had decided to leopard crawl under all the chairs because they realized there's Ribena in the little juices and he's, he's handing them down and Daniel and Aaron. Anyway, killed the message and that was that. Okay, so um, if we got, yeah, we have. So this is what I'm going to be talking about this morning, uh, Matthew 6.33. This is the words of Jesus speaking here on the Sermon of the Mount. I'm just going to focus on the first seek the kingdom bit this morning. So if you, if you want to turn in your Bibles to Matthew 6, I'm going to read from verse 31. I'm going to read out the Amplified, which just expounds the language a bit better. So um, it might be slightly different from your wording, but um, let's crack on. So verse 31, therefore, this is Jesus. Love the words of Jesus. Therefore, do not worry. I tell you, I have to be careful I don't tangent off, but... Never mind the pandemic of COVID. Don't, have you, I don't know in your workplace now. Have you not seen? It's like a pandemic of worry and anxiousness. Have you seen that? Everywhere I go, every time I speak to someone, it's something about worry or staff are off with anxiety. But Jesus says in 31, therefore, do not worry and be anxious. So don't do it. It's a sin. He says, don't do it. It's a sin, isn't it? <laughs> Saying, what are we going to eat? Or what are we going to drink? Or what are we going to wear? For the Gentiles, the heathen, the guys who don't know God, they wish and they crave and they diligently seek all these things. So the guys that don't know God go after this stuff. He said, but Jesus says, but you don't have to worry about it. All you've got to do is this. In verse 33, he says, but, seek, but, seek, aim and strive after, first of all, his kingdom and his righteousness. And it expounds like this in the Amplified. It says, his way of doing and being right. That's the key. I'm going to just kind of focus today. His doing, his way of doing it. Not our way. I'm sure we've all tried that. His way of doing and being what's right. Okay? And then he says after that, he says, and then all those things, they'll be added to you anyway. So Jesus says this. And then, on, and then he goes on in verse 34. And he says, and what does he say again? He says, so don't worry. So he says this, he says, what you've got to do is this, you don't have to worry about how you're going to pay the bills, you don't have to worry about how you're going to pay for the clothes and the kids and all the evergreen expenses, he says, what you've got to do is this, he says, first seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Now, his righteousness, the salvation we find in Christ, our assurance of salvation, I'm not, maybe the next time I preach I'll talk about that, but today I'm just going to focus on the doing and being how he says to do, first seeking him. So if we first seek the kingdom of God, we're first seeking his governance, his kingdom rule, his kingdom reign, his way of doing things, not ours. That's the key thing, not our way, yeah? Turn to the person next to you and say, it's not your way. 
and turn to the person on the other side and say, seriously, it's not your way. Okay, so um, if you just go away with that, we've nailed something. So I just want to turn, so what, in, this, in this whole story, so God kind of, it's, it's a 23-year 23 23 story, so I'll really try and uh, reduce it down to 15, 20 minutes. But um, God really invaded uh, my wife and I's walk with God just after we got saved with this whole scenario of walking with God. So I'll, I'll track you back real quick so I can kind of bring you up to speed with our journey. So it all started 24 years ago, and Kerry and I, my wife, I was my fiancé at the time, we moved to South Africa, we were living together, but we didn't know God, all right? And we got to South Africa, and after a year there, we had a business opportunity, and after a year there, um, it was tough being away from your family and your friends and your support and everything else, and we were trying to pioneer a little business there, and uh, I decided I needed to get back to England and catch up with my friends, because I was missing the party scene. So I left my wife in the middle of Africa, and uh, selfishly came back, my wife, sorry, my fiance at the time, and I came back to England, and uh, I said to my friends on the way, that's organized some serious parties, I'm only here for a few weeks. I was a little bit embarrassed, they told the party ahead of me that I was working with Nelson Mandela, so when I got there, everyone was like, you are an amazing guy. (laughs) Which wasn't true, I wasn't working with Nelson Mandela. Anyway, it was a terrible, it was a bit of a wild weekend, And uh, I found myself in a scenario which I found myself quite often in where I was saying to the Lord, it was kind of a near-death thing for for time's sake, I won't go into it. If you get me out of this one, I promise you, I will definitely give my life to you. Because I I kind of always believed in God, but I thought I'd commit to being a Christian when I was kind of 60, 70, when the kind of parties have finished and you're happy just to pot around the garden. Do you know what I mean? So... That was my plan. That wasn't God's plan. That was my plan. Sorry if you like potching in the garden. It's all good. So, so uh, he did, and he rescued me from the scenario yet again, which he'd done for quite a few years before that. And uh, I woke up the next morning, and I really felt, which I now know was the Holy Spirit, say, okay, today's the day. Let's do this. You know, this is, this is the day. Remember, you said, today's the day if I rescue you. So with that, kind of in my head, wrestling, I ran to the pub, met all my friends, and got absolutely paralytic because that voice was rattling me, you know? I know none of you good people have ever done anything like that. And um, next day I woke up again, and uh, I just felt, again, you've just got to get right with God. You've got to get right with God. So I phoned my dad, and I said, Dad, do you know anyone I can speak to about God? He said, I've got these two missionary ladies in the back of Boscombe. Two old ladies, lovely people. They've been all around the world. They've seen children with leprosy. Their fingers have grown back. Crazy stories, which I was kind of like, "Mm, really? But anyway, so let's go and chat to these old ladies. So I went to these two old ladies. Are you allowed to say old ladies anymore? Yeah, it's like, right, okay. These elderly people, and I went to see them. and, uh, And I got in there, and they said, hello, dear. We're going to pray for you. Is that all right? And I said, yeah, 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 you can, you can, you know, I was sweating, big tough guy is sweating. I said, actually, can I have a cigarette? He said, no, no, dear, we'll make you a cup of tea. <laughs> I said, okay. Brought me a little tea out. I remember, I couldn't even get my finger in the teacup and the saucer thing. I don't, who makes saucers and teacups like that? Anyway, so I had my tea and they said, we're going to pray for you. And I said, yeah, that'd be great. You can pray for me. I, I said, I'm not here to give my life to God or anything. I'm just, I'm just a little bit interested. They said, that's fine, dear. And they laid hands on me. And as those ladies laid hands on me, my whole body jumped, right? And I said to them, I said, stop. 
I said, what are you doing? They said, no, it's okay, dear, we just love you. I said, no, listen, I just don't know what shenanigans is going on here, but... I said, just easy on the prayer thing. I said, you can pray for me again. She goes, we'll just pray for you, dear. It's okay, it's just God. I'm like, okay. I said, okay, pray for me again. And then they laid hands on me again. It was literally like volts of electricity hit my body. So I stopped them again. I said, stop. I said, can you show me your hand? I honestly thought they had those buzzers. <laughs> you know, you used to show your hands and that. I said, let me see your hands. They said, look, dear, it's okay. We're just praying it's God. And then they said to me, and now what we're going to do, love, we just want you to start, we just want you to talk out to God, and you're going to speak in a foreign language. And I went to say, you're nuts. I'm going. This is way too creepy. And as I went to say that, I started speaking in tongues. I went, I'm going. And I'm like, what's going on? Anyway, it's another lot. It's a long story, but I, I gave my life to Christ. I couldn't deny it. I had a super crazy experience with the Holy Spirit. I get back to where I'm staying, and I'm thinking to myself, Kerry, she's in Africa. She's going to think I've lost the plot. How am I going to explain? Two old ladies are praying for me, and there's electricity, and I'm speaking in a foreign language. It's mad, right? So I thought, right, I'll just have to phone her and say, this is weird. So I phoned her up. I said, she goes, I'm so pleased you phoned. I've got something to tell you. I said, I've got something to tell you. She, I said, I've had a crazy experience. She goes, no, I've had a crazy experience. I said, have you? I said, well, what's your crazy experience? She goes, well, I met two missionaries yesterday. I said, what? I said, yeah, me too. I said, what happened? She goes, well, they prayed for me. I said, what? She goes, and I just, I don't know, I don't want to freak you out, my love, but I had this crazy encounter with the Holy Spirit. And uh, it was like electricity and da, da 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 And I'm like, this is crazy. So with that, I hopped on the plane and got home, and I thought, now, nah, okay, now we've got to do things right. We're married, you know, we're not married. We're living in sin, so we're going to get married. And obviously, not everything else was on hold. So I'm like, okay, we need to get, we need to get this wedding happening. For obvious reasons, because now I'm, well, I'm abstaining, see? But we gotta, we're not having one of these two-year planning jobbies, no way. <laughs> so, um, so that's all good. And then, um, and then so, a year, so we, we, we arranged a wedding, and we, we joined the Church of England. I didn't know anything about church. I didn't come from a church background. So I, I, I looked in the newspaper, and it said Church of England. I thought, I'm from England. I joined the Church of England, right? So I, I, joined, I joined the Church of England. Um, it was a cool church, nice people, but they told me that, you know, speaking in tongues is definitely this bunch of guys, great, great, great theologian, theologians, but um, they weren't really too cool with the Holy Spirit, whole tongues thing and whatever else. So I kind of put the tongues thing on a shelf because I thought, is it right? Is it wrong? Is it good? I mean, it just feels so empowering, you know? Um, and anyway, we carried on, and we were with them for a year, and I'm going to speed up a little bit um, to get the whole story, and then the business was going all right, and then we, we had to build another business, uh, had, had to build another building. Now, I sold my little flat in England, and we just about had enough money to do a building, but like, we, I couldn't afford builders, so I thought to myself, how difficult can it be to build a building, right? It's flipping difficult. <laughs> And I would not recommend it to anybody. So we dug the foundations, and uh, we just put what little money we had, and we kind of, some guys in the church were going to help. It's quite a big outbuilding. And um, we laid, laid the foundations, and the guys came in that day, and they're like, they measure up, and they're going to get some friends they knew who are bricklayers, and we're going to start, and they're all scratching their head, and I'm a little bit concerned. I go, what's the problem? And they say, Lance, your foundations are completely skew. You can't build on this. I was like, well, <laughs> oh, I can't afford new foundations. 
And they left. They said, we'll pop back tomorrow, and then we'll see what we can do. And I remember I was on a pile of dirt after, uh, outside of where we dug the foundations. And um, I felt the Holy Spirit said to me, and now I know it was the Holy Spirit, a voice in my head said to me, do you want me to teach you how to do business and life? And I said, along the lines of, you know, if that's you, God, then yeah, I do. He said, okay, walk around these foundations and start praying in tongues because it's good for you. And it empowers you and it edifies you. And it's actually the only gift is there just for us, right? So I walked around those foundations in tongues and I came inside and I said to Kerry what happened. And she said, right, okay, so what's this Matthew 6.33 all about? The scripture I read to you at the beginning. And we read it and we're like, it's just all about first seeking God and, and, you know, and then we don't have to worry about all the other problems because apparently if we just seek God, he'll sort the rest out. Sounds pretty a good deal, doesn't it? That's my kind of deal. Came out the next morning, guess what? The foundations had straightened. <laughs> so we built. And... Um, and they really did. And we were everyone scratching their heads. And we built, the, we built the building. And I said to Kerry, Kerry, this is some crazy stuff. You know, we were praying in, we were praying in tongues around the building. And the, the things shifted. And, we, we could. and then the Lord started a journey with us about what it really is to seek God. And he kept saying all the way through the years, it's not about doing things your way. And you there biting your nails trying to work out how you're going to do this thing called life. It's about doing it my way. And it's pretty simple. You've just got to take a little bit of time and listen to me. And then he said to me, and the next thing I want you to do, Lance, because I did ask God about business. He says, I want you to be a generous, abundant giver, because I am. And I was a stingy git. And I thought the biggest con was the 10% tithing business. And I was annoyed I never thought of that. And he said to me, start tithing. And I wrestled with the whole tithe thing. I'll be honest with you. Because when you're doing it your way, to give some of that away is a big deal, right? Because you're like, you know how hard you've worked for that money. And now you're going to give it away to these guys at the front drinking water in beanies. It's a bit of a tricky one. (laughs) But I did. And I gave the 10%. And then after I'd given the 10%, I felt God said, it's much more than 10%. It's much more. And then, it, then we started to have things in the church like faith promises. And God would say to us, I want you to give, commit to £100 a month. Commit to £200 a month. Commit to £300 a month. And I kept going back to Kerry. And I, and I said, you know, I feel God's given us an amount to give. What do you think? She goes, well, I felt God said 200 I'm like, really? And I know he said 200 I'm like 50 quid. I'm thinking, you know, <laughs> can we negotiate a little bit here, you know? And Kerry's like, no, it's 200. I'm like, ah, oh, of course it is. Of course it's 200. That's just give it all away. You know, why not? So we started giving and we started doing that. And um, God kept saying to us, it's not your way. Your way is to hold on. My way is to be generous. I'm generous. You be generous. You're supposed to be like me. So start giving like me. Be radically generous. We'd be in the shops. And the Holy Spirit would say, look at that family there. They haven't got any groceries. They're struggling to buy the groceries. Pay for the groceries. I pay for the groceries. I've got my groceries, no, my groceries. We're buying people's groceries and we're giving. And I can only just say to you, for the sake of time, the business, the money in the bank, everything just went. It, I we just couldn't explain it. Things were going, going mad. We needed a vehicle. We were doing the youth group at the time. At the same time we're doing this, we're doing the youth group. And, um, and as we're going along with the youth group, we needed a new vehicle and... Um, we, we said to God, what do we do about the vehicle? And the Holy Spirit said, 
go and build a, go and build a little garage. It had to be little because in my building, it's not good. Build a little garage in faith. We got a phone call. We're actually, Kerry and I were up on the car park measuring the car. We were like, if we're, we've seen what happens when these people get called out in faith in the Bible. Let's really nail it. Let's do it properly. So we saw the vehicle we want and we're trusting God. And Kerry's got the tape measure and I've got the tape measure in the car park. We're measuring this other person's vehicle that we were trusting God for. We looked absolutely bonkers. People were coming out and my wife's nodding her head how embarrassed she was. And we built the carport and we got a phone call. And the phone call said this. How much does, uh, how much does a, the decent vehicle you're after cost? And we said it costs, you know, it's, it's a bit embarrassing, it's quite expensive, but we're trusting God for this £10,000 vehicle, you know. We've got the youth, and I'll let you know, I want to sound good, you know, it's the youth and everything else, and we got them, they said, we're going to send you the money. And, and we got the money, and we bought the vehicle, and uh, we put it in the carport, and we've been, we've been praying for months for it, and then the next thing, we had a bit of a calamity, and the land had to be sold. Now we put all our money into the land, and it was kind of nail-biting time. So I'm, we're back and we're praying. And the Holy Spirit said to us, if you can trust me for a vehicle and the business and the finance, can you trust me for a property? So we're like, yeah, we'll do that. So we prayed for six months. And we're being as generous as we can be because the Holy Spirit, every time he called us to step out more in faith, he called us to be more generous. And I'm not doing the money talk today, okay? And I'm not, doing a, I'm not preaching a prosperity gospel. I'm just telling you what God did with us, okay? And we, kept, we prayed and prayed and prayed, and uh, I saw this house with a for sale board, and I saw it advertised in the newspaper. I said to Kerry, let's trust God for this property. And six months after that, we get a phone call from the UK. What does, it cost, what does a house cost in South Africa? We're like, well, it's about 30, 35,000 pounds on the exchange rate. They said, you know what? We're going to send you the money. Go and buy that house. So we're like, really? So we get the money. And I go up to the house, and I press the doorbell, and I said, hi, I've come to talk to you about selling me your house. And she goes, it's not for sale. And I said, yeah, no, because I saw the for sale sign. And she goes, I've never had a for sale sign. I said, yeah, but I saw it in the newspaper. She goes, no, it's never been in the newspaper. I'm like, that's odd. I saw it. I drove past. I promise you, I saw it in my own eyes. No. I go to walk off, and the lady says, stop. Honestly, on the driveway. She goes, Last night, we were just saying, we can't afford this house. We need to sell it. Come in, come in, come in. We bought the house, right? Then what happened, and I'm speed talking a little, forgive me. Then what happened was, about two years after that, we're in the property, and it's great. And God, I mean, God, it was like, ended up being like a youth hostel. Because the whole time we're being faithful with the small things, God started to trust us with the bigger things. That's what it says in Luke. Be faithful with the little, and I'll trust you with much. And uh, this was the process I saw. Just start, Lance. Stop being so stingy. Give a little bit of money away. Gary's prizing money out of my hand. I'm like dropping it in the basket. Have the money then. Be faithful with the little things. and Do what I say. So then I'm in the, I'm in, um, and at the same time we, we're doing the youth group, and then we, and then we ended up, um, we ended up pastoring the church. I had no no intention of pastoring a church. I hadn't gone to Bible college. I'd left school when I was 16. I said to God, I don't know how to pastor a church. He said, That's alright, So I, I remember I took my sleeping bag into the church building. I said to the guys, Just keep the alarm off. I'm going to stay there until God tells me how to do it because I am really nervous about this. And he did. And we came back and we started doing the first thing he said is take everyone out of the church on Sunday and tell them they're all free to leave. I said, what? 
So I did. We marched them all out. There was only 40 of them left at that time. I said, okay, thank you for being here for the last however many years you've been here. You're all free to leave now because God said we're going to start a whole new thing. And that whole week, I was in pieces thinking, is anyone actually going to come back to the church next week? And you know what they did? And they brought some friends. And it kept going and going and going. And God started to move. Every time we asked God, what do we do now? We had pastors driving from three hours away to come and ask me, who hasn't got a clue, what are you doing in this building? What's happening? We're like, well, it's just this. This is all God showed me. It's like, I'm going to take time to listen to him. And then I'm just going to do that. And sometimes I missed it because he's such a loving father. He's got it covered. He's not annoyed that I've missed it. And he's like, good lad for trying and stepping out in faith. And, and then, so this is all going on. And at the same time, I'm in my office. Got an office now. This is amazing. And um, we've got staff and everything. I couldn't believe it. I don't even know why anyone's listening to me. It's bonkers, right? And... Um, and then I said, and then I said, so Lord, you know, we, you know, we, we really need to expand the building. He says, go and buy another building. I said, yeah, I don't know how to buy another building. He said, there's a lady sat with your wife in the house. She's having her nails done because I've got Kerry Little Nail Studio. That's a long story. It was terrible. She took four hours to do a set of nails. It didn't last long. <laughs> Might have missed that one. She had some great conversations with people, though. <laughs> Poor people. Anyway, so... Um, <laughs> It was such a mess up. Oh, it was terrible. <laughs> My wife's laughing. Put me off then. Don't be putting me off. So, um, so anyway, I go in and I said to this lady, I said, hey, I said, um, I was a little bit nervous in case I missed it. I said, well, what do you do? She goes, oh, I arranged, uh, I arranged getting properties for business owners. I'm like, do you? So we got another property, right? It was amazing how it happened. I won't give this a long story how we got it. It was so specifically this property. And then one day I was locking up. And we had all the staff there. We'd hired a lot of staff from the church and and it was going all good. And, um, and then we sat there and we, we uh, you know, Kerry came to, Friday night, come to see me after work. And she said to me when all the staff had gone and we locked up, she said, God, doesn't that make you feel quite pressured that if you make any bulls ups with this business, can you say bulls ups? When you make any bulls ups with this business, all these people are out of a job. And I thought, oh man, that is, that, I, suddenly the weight of it came on me. And um, they all went home, and I locked the gate, and everyone went home. And I just, I don't know why it just hit me, the kind of, you know, that's quite a responsibility, people's livelihoods. And, um, and I'm sat there looking at the building, and the Holy Spirit said to me, as clear as day, it was, it was just so audible in my ears, the Holy Spirit said to me, you haven't noticed. You haven't noticed. My first immediate reaction in my flesh was to look at the building. I'm thinking, oh my gosh, is the roof collapsing? Is there a crap? What's the deal? I'm looking at the building and I looked at the number. I'd never noticed it before. The how, one of the houses was number six and the other house number was 33. The, even the two properties that the Lord led us to get. He's, I mean, he is trying to get my attention on this thing. It was crazy. And the adventure just went on and on and on. We saw... We saw crazy stuff. We saw the, the, the business rocket, and it just went nuts. And, and you know, another thing the Lord showed me along the way is um, the story of King Solomon, and I'll, I'll, I'll be super quick with this, but have we got a slide for that or not? I think we have. Thank you. I don't know if you can read this for yourself, but um, King Solomon. Have you heard of King Solomon? David's son? Great. Read, you can read about him for yourself. Great story. But God came to him in a dream. And he said to King Solomon, and this is one of the wealthiest kings the planet's ever seen. I was just reading an article on him this week. I think he'd be worth something like current, 
currently today is like 2.2 trillion or something ridiculous. He had something like 40 million in gold delivered to him. Anyway, King Solomon, the Lord appears to him in a dream and he says, you can ask me whatever you want. I'll give it to you. And we all say King Solomon asked for wisdom, but actually if you do, you can do and you can study it yourself. Google it. He, um, Solomon actually asked for a hearing heart to know how to do things God's way. How do I live this life and govern your people your way, not my way? And God said, I'm so flipping, we probably didn't say flipping, I'm so delighted that you've asked this of me, right? I'm going to give you more than you could ever possibly dream or contain because that thing gets me right here. Amen? Now, how long have I got, John? Five minutes. You guys all right for five? Three people. Oh, that's good. <laughs> My dad's put his hand up. Thanks, Dad. So, but there's, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's so much more. I mean, it's a 23-year journey, this was. But there's so much more to, to what God showed us. But the, the key things were, you, you, you can be prepared to put down your way of doing life and pick up his way of doing life. Because he created you for this life. He gifted you for this life. He put you uniquely in position for this life. No one can do what you're called to do. And everyone, one of the things I felt to pray for people today, God said, if, if they're tired of hearing about other people's adventures, pray for them that their ears would be open and they would hear what I'm calling them. Because God's got the same adventure, different, same adventure for all of us. There's not one of us in this building should be bored and not super satisfied with the adventure that we're living with God. I've, I made the mistake. I came, I, we had a, our, our, this is the kind of the flip side, but it's good to know it, right? We left South Africa, and the people, just at the end of it all, we got, Kerry and I got conned by, a, by some people. They took 10 families to the cleaners. We were one of them. I thought I was way too clever to be caught out. We lost a fortune. Um, and I know, I'm, God's told me, to, God, before I came to realize all of this, God said, go back to England because I'm about to pour out my spirit on that land again, big time. And I had about three or four prophecies of what God's about to do in England, which I know is about to happen. And that's what we're here for. And that's what God wants to get us ready for because nothing actually is important bar doing what God's called us to do, seeing his kingdom come. Because we've got an eternity to have fun as well. Well, not that we shouldn't have fun here. But after I took that hit, I ended up being a little bit like... What's the word? Um, deflated, I think. Discouraged. Disappointed with people because they were Christians. And I stopped. Foolish idiot. I stopped doing this, this. I stopped living this. For quite a few years since we've been back in England. And I saw, I saw God looked after us still. But the adventure stopped. The, the amazing things God was doing in the business stopped. It impacts your relationship. Not doing this is a rubbish way to live. Because our way to walk on this planet, this time, this 70, 80 years, I walked the dog this morning in King's Park, I just looked at the thousands of gravestones and I just thought, I wonder how many people in this cemetery nailed it for God. And we want to be those people. I know you want to be. I, I want to, I mean, we agreed on that. Hands up if you don't want to live for God. <laughs> <I'm> joking. <laughs> that was the test. But... But let me say this. A few people put their hand up, John. That's concerning. So, 
But the long, and this is it, and I'll finish with this, right? Because I know you guys want to get back to your roast chicken, is this. I went to David's tent. I felt God said, come away to David's tent just a few months ago. I know quite a few of you were there. And God said to me, it's time to get back on the horse. I've got the second part of the story of Matthew 6.33 for you. So I said, okay. And he said, I want you to go back. I want you to start the discipleship group, which we've started. About half of them are getting baptized tonight. Do you know what? In eight weeks, this little discipleship group, I've seen careers change. They're starting to hear from God. They're getting baptized tonight. They're being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's impacting the relationships around them. Some of them were suicidal. They're like, they can't wait for an adventure with God now. I mean, this is great. This is amazing stuff. So I'm driving back. I'm driving, I'm driving back from David's tent. And I'm like, and do you know how the enemy is? He goes, was that really God? You know how he does that? He's got me with that before. Is, did God really say to you, you're going to go back and it's the second half of a journey and everything's going to be lovely and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, so I said to the Lord, am I missing it? Or did you say those things at David's tent? He said, it was me speaking. Now go back and get on with it. Oh, and by the way, he said, and it, my son, Daniel, who's not here today, um, he was in Zanti with his friends. He's He's having some fun away from God at the moment, part-time. Please pray for him. And he'll kill me if he ever watches the video, but I'm safe he won't, so we're all good. Because it's really cringy to watch your dad, apparently. So um, anyway, he's in Zanti with the lads, and he came back a few months ago. And uh, yeah, you know, you have to isolate, right? And, um, and he's like, I'm not isolating. I said, no, no, son, you are isolating, because the whole of England's isolating when you're, you're going to isolate. And... and uh, so I'm thinking, so anyway, that's the backdrop. So I'm driving home. I asked God if it's him. He said, yes, it is. He goes, and by the way, tell Daniel, track and trace who are going to arrive Wednesday morning. Was it Tuesday morning? Tuesday morning, sorry. Tuesday morning between 10 and 11. So I'm like, okay, so I'm now going to know. Is this really God saying time for part two? Told the kids, they're like that, whatever. I'm like, oh, I really think Kerry's like, really, my lover? Because I didn't hear that. I'm like, well, no, I'm just saying. I just, I felt a bit of a twit. Tuesday morning, 10.35, I get a phone call. I'm a little bit proud of this. Well, I'm not proud. <laughs> Kerry phones me. She says, you won't believe you just turned up. I said, who? Track and Trace had just been here. You said between, God said to me, between 10 and 11, Track and Trace, tell Dan, tra- he's even wants to let you know when Track and Trace can arrive. You can't imagine that stuff. But that's how interested God is. And that was just doing that for me, just to say, yeah, you're here, I'm right, and there you go. So um, I think we're going to wrap it up there. And we're going to, I would love to pray for anyone who's tired of hearing other people's adventures. For people who have come under that horrible, terrible theology that hearing God's voice clearly is just for a select few holy roller, chosen, frozen types, which is absolute nonsense. You hearing God is a loving father. He wants to dialogue with us on a daily basis. It's not his side. So if you want, if you want prayer, and I, just for your ears to be open, to hear more clearly, to get an adventure with God, then, 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 then we want to really pray for you guys. Because I know as much as God's done it for me and lots of other guys in the room, he so wants to do it for you. Amen?